0: You are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Then, last time I checked, the Bible says if God is for us, then who can be against us? Okay? That guarantees it doesn't matter what happens in life, doesn't matter who comes against you, doesn't matter what people say, doesn't matter if you die. If you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are guaranteed 100% victory in Him. You will never die, you cannot lose, because these are the promises that cause us to have the hope that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Summon right now, this is for you. For you, you've never known this hope. And today's your day. Today's the day when you get saved by the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, not by works, not by what you do, by what he's done. Good day to you all and welcome to Live in the Life. My name is Craig and I get to be the host of this program and joining me in our studio, as he often does, is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. We are in the book of Acts today and specifically Acts 8 and our message today is a bit of a sobering one, a sobering message, but also a passage that is Filled with incredible reasons for joy, Robbie. Today's message is titled "Salvation and Sorcery." That gives us a little bit of an indication of what's ahead, but can you tell us a little bit more? I'll try, Craig. You know, as we go through the Book of Acts too, and now today in Acts chapter eight, it's amazing again how the Lord takes us to places and meets us right where we are, and in in some ways identifying with the different circumstances that that are occurring. And today we see this circumstance that some sometimes seems like so far from us, and yet I find what the Lord will do is he'll bring his word and allow us to see again how our lives pattern so similarly in this way. So I'm really encouraged, Craig, for today for our listeners. Um, really want to hear hear from the Lord, like God's voice, meeting them where they are in the different difficulties of life and the craziness this year has been as it has been. But God would speak directly to your heart today through his word. So may that happen. May that happen. It's my sincere prayer for you that you will be encouraged through Acts chapter 8 today. Amen. Well, I hope you're excited as I am. Let's dive into God's word together. Acts chapter 8. Again, here's Pastor Robbie with today's message salvation and sorcery. Praise the Lord, that's good. And then we could open our Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 8. I'm excited to be with you. Uh, we got a lot to get through today. Uh, we're moving in our year long series in Acts. We've been, you know, four or five months already. Um, we have divided up this book of Acts into six sections or six Acts as we are uh, cleverly calling them. Today, we start in act three. I wanna remind you of our series outline. Most of you had forgotten this a long time ago. That's why we remind ourselves. So the six different acts, again, the first two we've gone through, the church begins, the church opposed. we saw that. Today, we start the church supernatural, Lord willing, January and February of this year, going through chapters eight through 12, church on a mission, church encouraged, And then again, all this big Lord willing Church Unstoppable leading us into the summer months. And we'll see where that all takes us. But it's a way for us to take the whole book and then to kind of divide it, but then also unite it as well. Today, the Church Supernatural, you could say that about every obviously section of this and different sections. The Church of polls that happens through all of them um, as well. But it's a way for us to, again, have a segment, focus on it, be excited about it, learn and grow from it um, as well. So the Church Supernatural today, we are in for quite a ride these next uh, few weeks. And we're gonna see um, supernatural conversions. We're gonna see supernatural healings. People will be raised from the dead. We're gonna see supernatural growth, like unbelievable life transformation. We're gonna see supernatural escapes from prison. And today we're gonna see God's supernatural plan unfolding his mission to reach the nations with the gospel. We're gonna see the beginning of that unfold as we go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. Really what's happening today is the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus when he said, "Um, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail um, against it. And no one and nothing is ever going to stop the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that happening again before us. We see that happening in our day today. Why? Because Jesus Christ, he is the supernatural way maker, okay? He makes a path, he paves that path, and he will follow through with that. He makes a way. When we say there is no way, Jesus Christ says, I am the way. And so he's gonna build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Again, I want you to be encouraged uh, right from the start. If you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you belong to the way maker. You belong to the one who will never, ever be stopped. If you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ right now, then last time I checked, the Bible says, if God is for us, then who can be against us, okay? That guarantees it doesn't matter what happens in life. Doesn't matter who comes against you. Doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't matter if you die. If you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are guaranteed 100% victory in him. You will never die. You cannot lose because these are the promises that cause us to have the hope that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Summon right now, this is for you, for you. You've never known this hope. And today's your day. Today's the day when you get saved by the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, not by works, not by what you do, by what he's done. Jesus Christ is the way maker and he offers his gift of grace through all those who place their faith in him for forgiveness of sins, and they become unstoppable in the Lord Jesus Christ as well. Truly, it is a church supernatural, okay? The world might condemn, Jesus Christ exalts. Today is no exception. Today we see salvation overcoming sorcery. Today we see deliverance overcoming deception. Today we see joy overcoming opposition. We're going to tackle our passage in two main sections today. We're going to read the first, and then we're going to get to the first point. Again, a lot to get through. Bibles open. God, help us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. You guys ready? Here we go. Verse 1, and Saul approved of his execution. Who's that? That's the execution of Stephen, martyred, the first martyr in the Christian church for his faith. And it says, and there arose on that day, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. A devout man buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. Notice, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He, listen to this, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Wow. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, Jesus. And the crowds with one accord, live in the text, imagine this, with one accord, totally united, paid attention, every preacher's dream, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Notice this, here are the miracles, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice. Wow, wow. I think of some of the demons battling away at souls even here right now today. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Notice the result, verse eight, love verse eight. So there was much joy in that city, okay? So we're gonna summarize this section with our first point, two main sections, two main points, a whole bunch of peas today, okay? So many peas. okay? Point number one's this, persecution, pain, provision, and proclamation, Okay? For those of you who are note takers, I should pause like a good minute or two to let you write those down, okay? Persecution, pain, provision, and proclamation. So in verse one, it says, great persecution rose against the church. Now, let's make sure we understand this, okay? Whenever the Holy Spirit is at work, you better bet Satan's not far behind, right? I think sometimes the most basic understandings of scripture we can often miss. Okay, listen, if the Lord's powerfully at work in your life, you better anticipate Satan's unhappy about that okay if you see God doing great things in the church or the family and the gospel is changing lives you can guarantee the enemy is lurking just a little bit behind whenever the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work Satan's going to counter in some form in some way it's always been that way it continues to be that way until Jesus Christ returns and deals with Satan once and for all again sometimes we get caught off guard God's doing this great work and all of a sudden I go through this massive trial like what's happening what's happening right now it's called reality it's called the battle for the kingdom. It's called the battle for my heart. Let's just be sure, man. Like whenever God's at work, Satan is trying to come along and counter that work. We see that all through scripture. We see that today. It's interesting today in our text, the device of Satan is a man named Saul. And we learn a little about him here. Saul was vicious. Saul was as a, as a kind of premier Jewish a scholar even, Saul was violent. Saul was incredibly vindictive. Uh, Saul approved of Stephen's execution. In some form, Saul is the leader of the great persecution on the church right now. He's leading the charge. He's filled with such hatred. Look at verse three. It says, but Saul was ravaging the church. And that word ravaging in the Greek, like there's a lot here. Ravaging, um, this means um, sadistic cruelty. It was also used to describe a wild animal tearing the flesh apart of another animal. Like this is what's behind Saul as he's attacking the church. In fact, in Galatians 1, Saul turned Paul. Paul says about his former life, look on the screen. He says, for you heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and tried to destroy it like he wasn't messing around notice also in verse 3 it says he dragged off like this this he dragged off men and women okay so you can you can you can see his hatred uh, literally doing this and by the way let's pause just for a second again is satan so opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ look at the extent that he goes you can see the hatred of Saul but it's the hatred of satan I think sometimes too, we trick ourselves into thinking, well, you know, Satan, yeah, he's evil, but you know, he's not like, not not that bad. Like, you know, maybe 60% of people he hates, but 40% he kind of, he's good. But no, 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 no. There's nothing, there's not one ounce of Satan that is good. Not one. There's not one, not a one percent of him is good. Not one percent of him has anything but absolute uh, hatred and evil and absolute demonic oppression on every level. He's the father of lies. He's the great accuser. There's, there's, there's not. There's he just wants you dead. You have to know that he's he's a formidable enemy. And there's not one person he doesn't want sent to hell forever. That's how awful he is. He will stop at nothing to see as many people as possible. And he hates Jesus and he hates the church and he hates anyone associated with it. And, and sometimes we get lulled to sleep man. We think, oh, that's so bad, that's so bad. We did That's exactly what he wants. Focus on him too much. Ignore him completely. Because what do you have here? Saul, you've Saul. He is literally, here's a man giving his life to the death of Christ and the church. Think about that. Hey, what are you doing with your life? I'm giving my whole life to the death of the church and the death of Jesus Christ. That's his ambition. That's his entire plan. And yet, and yet we know this, for those of us who know our Bibles, we are one chapter away from the number one enemy of the church, becoming the number one missionary the church has ever seen. I mean, it's just, that's the gospel church. That's the awesome power of the gospel. Let's pray for more of that. Let's pray for more of the number one enemies of Christ. God would transform the gospel, completely turn them upside down and they become the strongest advocates of the gospel ever. That is the power of the gospel. Prayer meeting this Wednesday at 7 p.m. just in case you weren't aware, man. We're praying for some of those things. And what do we know here? We know this, okay? Whenever there's significant persecution, let's just be realistic. Whenever there's significant persecution, there's going to be significant pain. In verse two, notice, they made great lamentation over Stephen. They buried him. And again, when you live in the text here, I can only imagine the grief of the early church. It's important not to gloss it over, right? Stephen just was stoned to death. He was stoned to death by the opponents of Christ and the church. So you have this young man, godly and gifted and loved and horrifically murdered. And that comes with a tremendous amount of pain and grief. Think of the pain inflicted upon the early members. They saw this, they heard this, they experienced this. And then you have others who are dragged off, men and dragged off. Imagine imagine men and women you love and they're brought, and authorities are dragging them off and throwing. Imagine the separation, imagine and live in this. Imagine the tears, imagine the fear, imagine the anguish, imagine the grief, imagine how desperate you would feel. Imagine just like what is going to happen. Just again, like the pain that comes in this moment as the persecution rises up against the church. It's very important for us to gain perspective here the church we're gonna read about and have been reading about and learning about, they experience a supernatural work like never before. Like supernatural activity by God's spirit all over the place. But listen, very, very important principle. Loved ones, we love the supernatural in our lives, but listen, listen, this is important. The supernatural does not mean there won't be pain. I'm gonna say that again because it's that important. God's supernatural activity does not mean that there won't be pain. In fact, you could say the genuine working of the spirit of God always results in one kind of pain or another. This is what Jesus promised on this life. I read it again this week in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, just packed with Jesus promising, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really tough. This is why Jesus says in John 16 on the screen for you, he says this, in this world, you will have much tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay, now that, that I need to see both of those truths. I need to see both. I need to see, number one, Jesus promises in this world, you're gonna have trial. You're gonna have tribulation. I need to know the second part, but take heart. I've got to figure it out. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Take heart, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness does not overcome it. Take heart, I got you. Who's that for right now? Jesus says to you right now, yeah, there's tribulation, I promise that, but take heart, I've got you, I've got you. I've overcome the world. The day will come when I return and all will be made right. All sin will be dealt with. All evil will be judged and vanquished. Take heart, I have overcome the world. So listen, ready? We want the will of God. The will of God includes pain. The will of God includes pain. What the will of God also includes and promise, as much as their persecution and pain. Listen, listen, there will always be provision. There will always be the provision of Christ. I want you to see the word scattered in verse one and verse four. Okay, check it out there in verse one and four. Notice the word scattered, maybe circle it, draw a line between the two of them. That's what I like to do. The use of this word in the original scattered there's two potential ways that scattered could be used. It's like scattering of ashes, finality or the scattering of seed in farming. The use here is the scattering of seed in terms of farming. The early church in persecution and pain was scattered by the plan and the promises of God. So notice this. This is this is good and insightful The very persecution that was Satan's plan to destroy the church, God used under his plan as a provision for the church to see his church be distributed and the gospel message proclaimed to people who have never heard it before. So this happens all the time in our lives, happening right now, it happens all throughout scripture. Satan has planned, again, one part of the plan for evil. God can take that very plan and then change it and use it for tremendous good. Uh, An Old Testament example is the story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Tremendous evil. He went from there and he ended up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife uh, falsely accused him. He ended up in prison in Egypt. And God would use those circumstances for eventually Joseph to be raised up as second in command of all of Egypt that he might be used to provide the provision for God's people that they would survive one of the greatest famines the world has ever seen. At the end of Joseph's life, he turns to his brother and he says, what you meant for harm, God meant for good, okay? God can at any time take the very devices of evil and Satan and turn it around to use it for good and for the furthering and the provision of his church for the gospel to go forward. Because if you notice here, the church is scattered in verse two. Notice where they are scattered to. Can you see that in verse two? Notice where they're scattered. Don't let me do all the work for you, okay? Take a look. You can just turn your head down to your Bible. It's not that hard, okay? You just look at it. throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, what does that remind you of? Well, if you're familiar again with God's word, that might make you think of Acts chapter one, verse eight on the screen for you. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says this promise, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's happened in the book of Acts. It will happen again, but that's happened. Notice, and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So isn't it interesting? The persecution rises up and this is the very part of God's plan that will further the gospel to the promises or the places he promised would be seen, specifically Judea and Samaria. Again, amazing to me. So, You have disciples here being scattered through persecution as seeds for the gospel. Stop here for a second. What I want us all, if we are saved in Christ right now and we are alive, we have to understand every single one of us is a seed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us. Here's what happens sometimes what we do. We complain of our position. We whine about our predicament we get frustrated, let's say, in our employment. Could it be, though, that the very reason we haven't seen change yet is because the Lord is saying to us to say, don't you see more than I want you to be promoted, more than I want you to receive a greater paycheck, more than I want you to have a lesser commute, at this point, at this time, in this way, I want you to be seed for the gospel of Jesus Christ at workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, where you are, don't you believe that in the realm of eternity, the workplace and job role isn't as important as people saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us, where we are at this point right now, exactly where we are, are seeds and light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us who's alive in him, we don't think that way enough. Every neighbor, every workplace, every family, every opportunity, we are where we are under the sovereignty of God to be seed scattered for the purposes of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. How that might change our thinking as supposed to get me out of here Just saying, wait a second, you're something for me to do here, God? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And secondly, how many of us are willing to be scattered for the gospel? Some of us, God calls us to maybe a new place, a new mission, a new a new role again for the gospel somewhere else. So are we willing to go when God says go? Are we willing to respond? Are we seeing ourselves on mission for God? All of us are where we are. And yet some, are we willing to go outside of comfort zones to be scattered seed for the gospel in a foreign nation in a foreign part of, again, where we live in a different environment? Are we willing? Or in the opposite, are we hunkered down so tight in our comfort and coziness that we don't wanna move at all? Again, you know, this, this past ministry year, we opened up a, a fourth service as you are well aware of. And like, you gotta know, man, from my heart and the elders are like, I, I'm not opening up, church size, I'm not turned on by church size, man. Um, I am motivated by people saved in Jesus Christ and being uh, safe from hell to know him forever and live with him with hope eternal. That, that, that's what motivates me. And so, but if we're gonna do four services, I don't wanna have another service just to spread out the population of the church, you know, a little more throughout four. I, I just don't have any interest in that. We do want to see people saved. And so we have a thousand more seats that potentially a thousand more souls could be saved and maybe a thousand people sent as well. A thousand seats, a thousand souls, a thousand sent. I like it. I like it. I'm telling you all of us working together with the gospel, scattering seeds, seeing people saved to be in this place at this time for the gospel. And like my prayer growing more and more 2020, Lord, would you save hundreds and hundreds of people, a thousand seats, a thousand souls, a thousand sent. God, would you do that? I'm telling every single one of us working together, you know, you did some simple math, you know, 4,000 or so people in our church. If one quarter of us led one person to Christ this year, we're out of room again. Yeah, that seems doable in some ways. I mean, God is the one who decides. I'm just telling you, faith and vision, and God, would you use us, all of us where we are, the potential to reach so many while we have the time in this place again, in this moment, And so we can look right now in our our text here, it's powerful stuff. We can see the the pain of the culture of our day. We can see the pain of the attack of Christ or on Christ. But please be sure, listen, the principle of God's provision is always in play. Listen, listen, whether or not you see around you, the Lord is always at work more than we realize. There's a song that we haven't sung officially as a church. We've sung different parts, but it's called Waymaker and, the bridge I love when it says that even when I don't see it, you're working; even when I don't feel it, you're working. Why? Because you never stop. Jesus Christ will build His church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But these statements here are mature statements of the Christian life, because so many of us will like, "Well, I don't see it. It's not happening. If I don't, I, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it." So, I mean, I, I, I'm a feeler, man. Like I, I get emotions, and emotions want to lead you. They're terrible leaders. Emotions are good followers. When I don't feel it doesn't mean God's not working, When I don't see God's always working. He's all, you cannot stop him. You never stop, you never stop working. The power of Jesus Christ as he builds his church. That's the statement of maturity. God help us to sing it and say it and believe it, and live it more and more and more. I mean, honestly, you put yourself in Acts eight. Do you think the church had any idea as to the growth that was about to be seen Do you think they could have imagined Saul becoming Paul and his radical transformation in Christ? I mean, the ways of God are not the ways of man. And think about too, hey, Saul's plan was to murder Stephen. Saul's plan was to throw, and and, and that, that plan was executed. And yet his plan failed miserably. His plan to ruin the church was actually used by God to cause the church to grow in ways he never could have thought. I love how God does that. The exact plan of evil turns out to be the furthering of the gospel under the plan of God. So there's persecution and pain, which leads to provision, which also leads to proclamation, to proclamation. Ken Hughes said this, he said this, he says, following the church through acts is like following a wounded deer through the forest. Drops of blood mark the trail. Yeah, that's really good. And that's really true the pain and the persecution, but leads to the provision and to the proclamation again of the gospel as well. With the trail of blood comes the trail of truth and miraculous transformation. Because if you look at verse five, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And then notice again, the people listened and then these miracles happen. unclean spirits crying out. And then look at the result, verse eight. So there was much joy in that city. When I read that verse each time this week in study, and even now, that joy gives me joy. There was much joy. Here's a, here's a wonderful principle, ready? Stephen's death resulted in a city's joy. That, like, that's what God does. Um, the death of one in the Christian life, in Christian principles, the death of one gives life to another. This is why Jesus died. Our savior led the way, the death. Paul said later on when he was, of course, saved, he says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. See, we die that you might live. We sacrifice that you might be blessed. We live at a cost. We suffer that you might have the light and the love and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We become blessed that the gospel then is proclaimed. Proclaimed. Jesus Christ, only he can make way supernaturally. He's the supernatural way maker. He makes a path when there's none to be found and none to be seen. The power of the gospel. Loved ones, have faith today. Take encouragement. He is working whether we see it or feel it or not. Incredible things to see what's happening here in Acts 8. Now we move on to point number two. And yes, a whole bunch of more Ps, all right? purpose. Purity, power, and presumption. Purpose, purity, power, and presumption. This is our second section of scripture. We're gonna go through it one paragraph at a time. I got so much to get through. Lord, help us right here. Keep our attention so strong. So first section, verse nine. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in that city and amazed the people. So watch this. And amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. Then they all paid attention to him. Notice, from the least to the greatest. Wow. Saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. That's not insignificant. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with his magic. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men um, and women. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again, or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Or you can contact us by mail. Our mailing address in Canada is 500 Great Lakes Boulevard, Oakville, Ontario, L6L 6X9. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.